It is Texas Money and Business, and I am Ron Taylor. It's good to have you right here on KEXB, Experts in Business, 620 AM. And Doug Parker is here today, and of course, it's Ambitious Radio Network. We are underway with another great guest. Doug, welcome along. Ron, thanks so much. You know, I, I keep having a hard time with this KEXB, getting used to it, 620. I'm used to the old call letters, but you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get it down eventually. Yes, you will. So, you well, and me both. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, here we are on episode 14 and, you know, the Ambitious Radio Network. We're going to be talking business, entrepreneurship, finance, interviewing very interesting people like Mike Oren that we have on the show today, as well as, um, you know, there's other related topics. So we re- definitely want to, to thank our sponsors. We've got freeelectricitydfw.com, repairmycreditnow.com, and all3reports.com. That's all the number three reports with an S.com. So we'll talk about just different things, books, success principles, leadership, quotes, things that really um, you know, kind of stand out for folks and hopefully pick up a nugget or two. You can go back and apply to your businesses, uh, you know, back, back at home. So with that being said, today we're talking to Mike Warren. He's the president of Speak Easy, a content marketing and social media uh, company that does uh, really digital strategies and, and different things. But it's a joint venture between Slingshot and the Dallas Morning News. Welcome, Mike. Uh, hey. Great to be here. Thanks yes, for having me, guys. Absolutely. Great to see you. So tell us a little bit about them. I and mean, how in the world did you um, you know, get get to, to do some stuff with the Dallas Morning News? Well, it, it, that is a very long and winding story. Uh, I, I guess I would jump back to where I actually started a company to compete with the Dallas Morning News uh, way back in 2004 uh, as a digital-only news site. Uh, but they were aware of me, and we 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 bandied back and forth, and we danced around them acquiring us a couple times. And uh, so then many years later, uh, after I'd left and they had acquired uh, Pegasus News, uh, they realized that they wanted to get into this business of uh, doing content marketing and social media. They wanted to work with some folks who knew the agency business, which was the slingshot folks, uh, but but also with people who were more from the publishing mindset than the uh, than that pure advertising mindset. And I just happened to know everybody involved, so they pulled me in. So the uh, the big lesson there is uh, is never burn a bridge. You know, absolutely. You know, it's kind of funny. One one of the books that uh, that I, that I like a lot, um, how to win friends and influence people. As you're going through that book, it, one of the things it talks about is burning the bridges behind you. Now, it's not in the traditional way that we think of it, where you go scorched earth and and you know they would never have you back. But it's more of when you leave a place, letting them know, hey, look, I'm gone. Don't call me back. Don't recruit me, so that you're not, you know, uh, going to the new place, always thinking, well, I always got a fallback. I can go over here. But I think that's right. a, I think that's important what you're talking about there because there are so many people out there that they do go scorched earth when they leave because there's a straw that breaks a camel's back and they're done and they're never going back and they they leave on the wrong terms and you just never know uh, really who's connected to who you know and, and uh, before we kind of got on the air here we were talking about a mutual acquaintance that we had that we didn't you know neither one of us even knew uh, that the other one knew and so you never know who knows who in this world for sure. It's my wife says it's a small world. I wouldn't want to paint it. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> I like that quote. I like that a lot. So, um, so tell us just a little bit about you in general. I mean, kind of growing up. Are you from around this area you, here in Texas, or or, or where did where'd you grow up? No, I'm originally from Greensboro, North Carolina. I spent my whole childhood there uh, in North Carolina, kind of right between Charlotte and Raleigh. I went to school at Duke University in uh, Durham, North Carolina, and after I graduated about a year out, I decided I wanted to go live someplace I'd never been before, uh, probably stay there a couple, five years at most, uh, and I moved out to Dallas, and that was 20 years ago. 
Yeah, once you got here, it's it's a hard place to leave. I'll tell you, I, I I'm fortunate enough to be from Texas, and I grew up out in East Texas, but but I, I moved to Dallas, you know, quote unquote, to be able to make some make some money because it's hard to make it out in the country. But uh, man, I I love this area. There's no place like it. You know, it really it really is home to me. And I, I thought a couple years ago about moving away, and I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, you know, partly because so many of my business connections were here, but really just because I love you. It's you get the amenities of a big city, but it's still it still kind of feels like Mayberry. You don't go anywhere where you don't run into somebody, you know, and uh, and that's always a good thing. Sure. No, absolutely. And, and you know, you mentioned um, your wife earlier in one of her quotes said it's, it's a small world, but she wouldn't want to paint it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. I've never heard that, but I really do like, I wrote that down. Yeah. So, it's small, but not that small. Right. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, and one of the things that you had talked about was your favorite book was the meaning of marriage by Tim Keller. So obviously, you know, you mentioned you're married. So let's just talk a little bit about that. I mean, with business people and entrepreneurs, sometimes it, it, it seems to be one dimensional and there's so many people that I've met over the years that they, they don't have it all. You know, they, they sacrifice a lot of stuff, their family, their kids, whatever. And then ultimately what winds up happening is, is they may be successful in business, but when you really look at them, they're a shell of who they really are. But looks like that's definitely a priority for you. So what was it about that book that you liked? Well, and, and I would say what you just described is, is a pretty apt description of me about five years ago. Uh, and I was unsure. I was divorced. I had nothing really but business going in my life and uh, was not in a good place. And, and the reason I, I, I mentioned that Keller book uh, is that you know, Tim Keller has become a big inspiration of mine. I'm actually pretty excited I'm going to get to meet him next week. Uh, but you know, he writes a lot of, of theology books. But, but the meaning of marriage is important to me, not just because my wife and I read that together and she had a similar background as mine, being divorced and kind of business only, uh, but because it just more so even than any of his other books really encapsulated uh, kind of what that balance and what that relationship should be uh, you know, on all fronts and not just with your spouse, but with other people too. Uh, so, so that that was just very pivotal in our thinking and, and how we came together. So that that's always my first uh, choice now in, in terms of favorite book. Sure. Absolutely. Were there, were there any kind of key walking away points just off the top of your head that you can remember? Well, one of the biggest ones is that if you make your spouse, the end all be all, uh, they can never live up to that. They can never, you know, they're, they're, you, you've set it up. So you're both inherently going to be disappointed. Um, and so, so, that means that fundamentally changes what that relationship is supposed to be. And I think a lot of people get into a marriage relationship thinking that they are the end all be all for that person and vice versa. And, and, and we both found that 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 doesn't work. And instead, what you're doing is you're doing things together, uh, but along along different paths sometimes. You know, that makes that makes a lot of sense. One of one of my uh, businesses I'm involved in, they talk about God first, family second, and then everything else is behind that. Yep. And, you know, it's, it, I know what you're talking about. I've seen it where, where folks try to get their satisfaction from their spouse and, you know, sometimes they can give you satisfaction, uh, but then other times not so much. And it can be a really, uh, you know, miserable situation if you don't have it all set up right. So that's, that's really a interesting deal there. And, and, you know, uh, from time to time, you know, when we're talking to, to guests or just people in general, you know, it's everybody likes to hear about the new puppy or the bright and shiny or how great everything's going or the awards, but it's it's those tough times that really make you appreciate the good times. If we, if it was sunshine and every day, then you know we'd live in a desert. 
it's those rainy days <laughs> that makes it green. And, and so, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you had to go through some, some struggles personally, but it sounds like you've learned a lot of lessons from that. And, and then on the move on the go forward, you absolutely have your priorities in line at this point. Sure. Trying to sure. Trying to. Yeah, absolutely. I know, I know the feeling, man, I've, I've been married for almost uh, 20 years now and man, there's been some good times and some bad times. And, and I have definitely you know done things not in order a lot of times and, Thank, thank God for real that that my wife has has stuck in there with me. But uh, it's not because I've always deserved it. That's for that's for sure. So, well, well as, no, if, if if any of us got what we deserved, we'd be in big trouble, right? You, you know, it's funny that you say that. I had a I had a buddy of mine that that whenever he was uh, his son was graduating from high school, he wrote him a letter and he's like, hey, I, I you know he he had a great relationship with his dad, but he's like, I wish my dad would have given me some advice as I'm going out and being a man. And he had a couple of his close friends. Um, you know, review this letter before we gave it to his son, and and some of it was just kind of personal stuff that didn't I didn't you know really know the, the application. But the one thing that stuck stood out to me was he says that um, when I was younger, I always felt like I didn't get what I deserved, and the more mature I get, I am so thankful that I don't get what I deserve. <laughs> and man, I'm gonna tell you what it, it stood out to me because. You know, I work hard and I do a lot of stuff and, and sometimes, you know, you think, you know, why is this or that happening to me? But really, it's you don't ever ask yourself that question when things are going well, most of us. Hey, why has this happened to me? Man, I'm just whatever I'm doing is just working out. We right, think it's because I'm of us. so awesome. That, that, right. Exactly. That, that naturally this is the success is coming to me. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So well that's cool, man. Well, I tell you what, um, we're gonna wrap up this segment right now. Um, you know, we've got a uh, a Facebook page that you can like us on, the Ambitious Radio Network. And we're going to try to keep everything posted and updated on ambitiousradio.com. So if you missed the segment or if you uh, tune in late, you can go back uh, after the show is over and we'll have it uploaded there. We've also got a new podcast that we've got going, so we're excited about that. Tune in after the break, and we're going to be talking more uh, with Mike about just some of his experiences in business, some of the things that he's done entrepreneurial, some of the uh, experiences he's had and how he's persevered through that right here on KEXB, Experts in Business, 620 AM and the Ambitious Radio Network. It is Texas Money and Business right here on KEXB, Experts in Business. Good to have you here. Doug Parker, our host and ambitious radio network on the air. Doug, it's all yours. Yeah, thanks so much. And we've got a really great guest today. We've got Johnny Quinn, and he is a, an entrepreneur. He's an Olympian. He's a former NFL player. and He's really been through all kinds of things in life. In the last segment, we were talking a little bit about some of the things that, you know, when things don't go the way you expect them to go, and it's probably nothing like uh, being a, a – a, a Texas football player and actually making it to the NFL. And that's probably seemingly the peak of, of life. But then the Valley, you know, I could only uh, imagine is, is, you know, whenever it's over and it always seems to be over for, for, uh, at some point, then they, you get that dreaded call. So we talked a little bit about that. Um, Johnny, th- then you, you mentioned you got on the bobsled team, you did that. And I know you were kind of made famous by, there was a door that kind of got in your way, but, um, but let's just talk about generally, you know, going over there, you're an Olympic athlete. What's that like? I mean, that, that's, that's such a, a proud thing to, to, for, for, to be part of what's going on, you know, for the, uh, America, you know, especially being in Russia. Sure. Sure. I tell you, it was so special. Um, get, just getting that net getting named to the Olympic team. I remember making that call home to my wife, who uh, was the fian- was my fiance at the time and, and to my family and to my friends um, that, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on the United States Olympic team. And 
will be competing in the Olympics here in a couple of weeks. They named uh, the bobsled team three weeks before opening ceremonies. And so, Doug, the, the, I tell you what was so cool being with technology is we were in Eagles, Austria at the time when the United States named the Olympic team. And, you know, I'm in a seven hours time zone difference, you know, just about halfway across the world. But with technology, I just started receiving so many uh, positive and inspirational messages from, you know, the city of McKinney, uh, some of the other teams that I've been on, just a lot of rallying, a lot of support. And so that, that was uh, really refreshing and encouraging to see. But, you know, when we stepped uh, stepped on soil there in Russia. We got there about a week before um, opening ceremonies. And, you know, to see the Olympic rings and to be a part of something like that was it's tough to put into words, and I remember getting ready for opening ceremonies. I mean, that's that's the big, uh, you know, kicks off the Olympics, the 17-day mm-hmm. uh, Olympic Games. And, and I remember putting on the red, white, and blue that Ralph Lauren uh, outfitted us and walking and opening ceremonies, hearing the announcers say the United States of America. And, you know, Doug, to be a small part of the 230 athlete delegation that the United States sent to compete on a world stage. It was unbelievable. Here's what I need you to understand is that at 26 years old, my dream, my professional career as a football player was over. You know, I was cut three times. I ended up losing $2.6 million in NFL contracts, and I blew out my knee. And so at age 30, when in the world of pro sports, they're starting to call 30 old Mm -hmm. to become a United States Olympian, it it was so special. And I just remember, you know, basking in the moment and just, uh, just being so thankful and grateful for the opportunity that I have uh, to represent our country on this world stage. Yeah, you know, I was actually speaking with a guy a couple of weeks ago that was from Poland, and he was from, uh, I guess, the communist part of Poland back in the 60s. And he, he was talking about just, you know, how great it is to to be here in America now and, and you know, the the uh, just how some of us can take that for granted. You know, I'm, I'm born here in America. I've been here my whole life, and I, I try not to take it for granted, but, you know, you, I don't know anything any different. But to be in the Olympics representing America – in Russia, um, you know, you, you you're a little bit younger than I am, but uh, but with that being said, I remember the Rocky movies and those kind of things, and it's like that's that's uh, it had to be quite a just an interesting uh, dynamic to be over there uh, representing us in, in Russia. Yeah, it, it really was. It it, it um, you know leading up to the games, there was a lot of uh, commotion about you know maybe facilities not being ready or. Uh, you know, Sochi, Sochi is considered a southern resort town, and it's about 30 kilometers north of the Georgia border, which is, you know, the start of the Middle East. And on the other side of the mountain range is Chechnya, which, you know, has been recently known as a, a hotbed for terrorism. And so uh, to Russia's credit, and one thing, when we stopped off that, when we stepped off that plane in Russia to go get set up, the Russians did a phenomenal job hosting a safe and successful Olympics. You know, they um, 
they did a great job with their preparation uh, to make sure not only the athletes, but the fans, whoever was coming to experience and support their country and just participate in the 2014 Winter Olympics. The Russians did a really good job hosting uh, a safe and successful Olympics. That's cool, yeah, to, to see it go off without a hitch. That that was uh, very, uh, you know, obviously very good. Now, I, I know they tried to lock you in your uh, room or something. Uh, what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a minor issue uh, with my bathroom door. And uh, what, what's funny here, Doug, is it was the day after opening ceremonies. And, I mean, you want to talk about adrenaline and just being on cloud nine after walking in opening ceremonies. We were... I just finished in the weight room, and and I was back in my room. We had an interview with the Today Show uh, later that afternoon, and so I wasn't pressed for time. But I, you know, taking a shower, and I get out to go get a towel, and I I can't get out of my bathroom. And so I check the uh, the lock button to make sure it's unlocked, and and it's showing to be unlocked. But I I can't get this door open. So I start you know pushing and pulling and prodding and trying to you know shimmy this door loose. Nothing's happening. Well. My roommate, he's still in the weight room, so he's not back yet. But my other two teammates, they're, they're kind of on the other side of the shower, right? They're, their room uh, nestles up on the other side of the, uh, the shower. So I start banging on that side of the wall to uh, see if I can get their attention. Well, you know, there were, some, of the, some of the facilities still were under construction, and so they, they thought it was construction workers making a lot of noise and putting their iPods and so I'm sitting in here in this bathroom, um, can't get out, and I'm in there for about an hour, and I wasn't panicked or anything. We had running water, and it was only a matter of time before my uh, my teammate was going to be back from the weight room and assist and help me get out this door. But I remember that in the village, the all the rooms run parallel to a hallway. And so after being in there for an hour and a little frustrated, I start banging on things in the bathroom you know, along the side of the hallway to see if maybe there's a bystander walking down the hallway and can offer some assistance. And I get to the door and I hit it. I hit it pretty good and it cracks. And so I, I wind back, uh, hit it harder and my fist goes right through the door. Whoa. And, and so at that point I can see, you know, I can see into the other room and, um, you know, I'm like, well, it's time to get out of here. So I, 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 break the door down wide enough to get out and I, I, you know, get dressed and I look back at the door and I see this just giant manhole. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for breaking this door down. So I take a picture. I head down to the office where the USOC staff is, uh, to, sh- to let them know, Hey guys, ran into an issue with my door. Uh, you know, I wanted to crush the, the myth of maybe horseplay or what. Hey, I was taking a shower, couldn't get out, had to break down the door. Here it is. Just happened. And so they sent a staff up and had it replaced pretty quickly. But I, I remember after I notified the USOC, um, I go into the training room, get a little work done on my hamstring. And, and you know, Doug, I've got a pretty good sense of humor. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking, okay, I've got this picture of this, just do- this manhole in this bathroom door. I'm going to put it on social media. Maybe get a couple retweets, maybe some funny comments, and so I, so I post it. And I remember putting my phone down for a few minutes and come back, and I pick my phone up, Doug, and my phone is like scolding hot, like it's been working overtime. Whoa! And so I turn on the screen, and my notifications are going 
nuts. The BBC were the first uh, were the first ones to pick it up, and they sent it out to Yahoo. But turns out, twenty eight thousand retweets seen by an estimated ten million people That's crazy. around the world. Who knew a door would create that much excitement? <laughs> Man, that is fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, as as we're wrapping up here. Uh, you know, that was a, a great story about American pride and representing our country and, and going to another country that, that treated you really, really well. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk more about entrepreneurism and, and some of the things that you've done with uh, with your company, the Athlete Watch, and how, you know, some of the different athletes out there, how, how they're, they're maybe not being recruited. And if you don't really know how that process works, you found a niche, you found something that, that needed uh, some, some attention and made a business out of it. So it's a fantastic story. Look forward to hearing that. Today, we've got Johnny Quinn, Olympian, NF, former NFL player and entrepreneur on the show. We're so excited to have him here on KEXB, 620 AM, Experts in Business and the Ambitious Radio Network. It is Texas Money and Business. So good to have you here on the show today. And, of course, Ambitious Radio Network underway with Doug Parker. Doug? Yeah, thanks, Ron. Appreciate all the uh, work that you do, keeping everything under control and operating the board and producing everything. Thanks so much for that. Today we've got a great guest. We've got Johnny Quinn, Olympian, on the show. He's also an entrepreneur. And in this segment, we want to talk really a lot more about that, how he started his company, The Athlete Watch, and and really what is it all about. So, Johnny, how was it that you decided that, you know, there's a need for these services. Well, I, I had such a tough time getting recruited. And as a family, we were a little confused because, you know, the experts were telling us, hey, make all the plays, win all the awards, score all the touchdowns, and, and that's how you get scholarships. And, Doug, logically, that makes sense. I mean, make all the plays. And my senior year at McKinney High School, went very, very well. I led the entire state of Texas in receptions at the Class 5A level and finished second in receiving touchdowns. And here's the kicker, Doug. I had zero scholarship offers. And so at 18 years old, and as a family, I'm the oldest of two boys, this is our first time to go through this process, we realized, hey, wait a second. There's something missing here because I have the game film, I have the touchdowns, I have these things that all the experts are telling me I need, but I have zero scholarship offers. And so we went out as a family and started just trying to figure out, hey, what works and what doesn't? And at the end of the day, Doug, uh, what we found out, and this is really our philosophy at the Athlete Watch and really where everything's rooted, regardless of whatever sport you play, if you have the dream of competing at the next level, the college recruiting process essentially boils down to two things. When you get rid of all the junk, all the fluff, everybody's third-party opinion, it really comes down to two basic factors. Number one, which current college coaches know about you? And number two, do they like you enough to offer a scholarship. And so if we can understand that is the foundation behind college recruiting, families can start to get proactive and start to get their name out. And that word like, do do college coaches like you enough to offer a scholarship? That means 
do you have the grades? Do yep. you have the talent? Do you have the work at it? Do you have the intangibles that they're looking for? And so when we figured this out as a family, instead of spending thousands of dollars and going with a traditional college recruiting service, we realized, hey, wait a second. A current college coach would rather hear from me, the 18-year-old, 17, 16-year-old student athlete, than some recruiter or third party. And so I finally found one scholarship offer to the University of North Texas two days before signing day. So talk about down to the wire. But here's, here's where we knew we had something, Doug. When I was going through this process as a senior and just barely getting in, understanding what recruiting really boils down to, we took those same techniques and applied it to my younger brother, who was a sophomore at the time. He was a track and field athlete, where in track and field, as you well know, is tough to get scholarships, and they're just limited compared to football and some of the other mainstream sports. Mm -hmm. Well, my brother, who's a sophomore, who we, we all know, if you're a sophomore, you have to continue to grow, develop, and, and make plays. See, my family started being proactive. And by the time his senior year came around, he had scholarships on the table from Texas, Nebraska, and Arkansas, and ended up committing to the Arkansas Razorbacks during early signing period of his senior year. So talk about, Doug, two completely different stories under one roof, under the Quinn family and our four walls, we had two completely different college recruiting experiences because it boiled down to which current college coaches know about you and do they like you enough to offer a scholarship. And so that's why I founded the Athlete Watch. Well, you know, and I tell you, it's it's real interesting. I want to spend just just a little bit of time on this because you know the way that you and I met was I've got a daughter that's now running track over at Dallas Baptist University and through that process, you know, we we didn't we didn't know you back then, and it's it's been a couple years, and and we really didn't know what to expect. We didn't know any college coaches. We didn't have any process. We didn't know if she was, you know, she was pretty competitive. Her you know four year at a uh, all four years she was varsity athlete at a six A school, and and so we felt like she would probably be able to compete, but we didn't know if it was a D one, D two, D three school. We just didn't know. And you are so right about a couple of things. Number one, do the coaches like you? And frankly, there was one school we went to that we, we really didn't like the coach. And it's like, you know, that's for my daughter. That was a, a, a place where, you know, wherever you're centered, there's going to be a certain covering somebody's going to be looking out for. And there was a couple of other coaches that we really connected with. And it was, that was a really tough deal because when they were recruiting, we really felt like they, they liked her. They really wanted her to go to school there. But had we not reached out, and we did it the old-fashioned way, probably like you did the first go-round, and, and, and like I said, I met you at the very tail end of that whole process. But, um, but it's, it's very important, and, and your, your kids' resumes, the things that they're doing, they, you know, the work, the volunteers, the volunteer hours that they get, all those things are important, and it helps to build that resume. And, of course, you know, if you're you know, in track, I mean, time or distance, you know, whatever you're doing, uh, jumps and those kind of things, that's always very, very important. But there's coaches that will absolutely, if they don't like you, if they don't like your character or whatever, they'll pass on you. So it's um, it, it, when I saw your program and what you had put together, 
it is very impressive in, in how you really present to kids. We've got probably, I don't know, two or three minutes left. So we, can, we can talk a little bit more about that. But tell us how it is that you get the kids in front of the coaches and then how you really present them to show how likable, if you will, that, that the kids are. Sure. So we build these online student-athlete profiles that give our families complete control of what their profile looks like. And, Doug, we have a database with 25,000 college coaches. That's every division, D1, D2, D3, NAIA, and junior college. And, you know, I, I never bought into you have to be a certain height or weight to get a scholarship, only because I'm 5'11", and I went and played in the NFL. And so I realized that height and weight, yeah, if you're bigger, stronger, and faster, you'll look better on paper. And that is, uh, can definitely be a plus. But at the end of the day, that's a variable. And if a college coach falls in love with you, it doesn't matter. What we built, when we built this database, Doug, one thing we can't adjust, one thing that we can't skirt around are grades. And so we have filters in our database that allow families to plug in their SAT and ACT scores, allow them to plug in their GPA, their class rank. And with this database, our families can customize searches by regions, by states, by division level, plug in their son or daughter's grades where they're currently at, and it will populate a list of schools that would match their fit, at least academically, getting in the university for academic admission. So what it does, Doug, it gives families a starting point. And, and that's what they want. They want to know, they don't want to spend three hours a night on Google trying to find college coaches' contact information. They want to, in a matter of a few clicks, have a populated list that is customized to their son or daughter's goals that are relevant to their academics and that give them a chance. Because we truly believe when families are given truthful and accurate information in the college recruiting process, better decisions are made. Well, I think that's a good place to leave off on this segment. Again, this is Doug Parker with Johnny Quinn on the Ambitious Radio Network. Johnny is a former NFL player and a U.S. Olympian. We're so excited that we had a little bit of time to spend with him today. In the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about leadership, uh, some of the things that maybe he has folks mentoring to him, and, and then just other uh, things about how he recharges and other stuff. Right here on KEXB, 620 AM, Experts in Business and the Ambitious Radio Network. Back in here on Texas Money and Business, Doug Parker, an ambitious radio network, a great guest underway here. Doug, it's all yours. Absolutely. When we talk about ambitious radio network, you know, ambition, I can't think of anything that's more ambitious than going into the NFL and then through that process, uh, things happen. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the looks like maybe the athletic career is over. Then all of a sudden you're a United States Olympian. How much more ambitious can you get? So we got Johnny Quinn here with us today. Johnny, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you carving out the time for us, and I know you're a very busy guy. You you do all kinds of cool stuff. You've got uh, your your business with the athletes, with the kids, and it's called the uh, the the athlete watch. That's correct. The okay, athlete. fantastic. And then you do some public speaking where you go out and talk to people, motivate them, different things along those lines. 
Um, so, so let me ask you this. Um, through your business, I mean, you started it. Uh, when, when did you start the, the business? You know, I started the Athlete Watch in 2010. Okay. Uh, but I started speaking uh, to different businesses, schools, and organizations when I turned pro in 2007. And so I would do that in the off season. And then once returning home from the Olympics, uh, my, my speaking circuit has just blown up, which has been great. It's something I enjoy. And I've been averaging over 100 events a year speaking at. Man, that is a whole bunch of events. So with with that being said, so, you know, talk, talk about some of maybe the struggles. I mean, I, again, I, all the time we hear about all these successes that people have. And, you know, we, we want to hear about those and we know about those. But it's it's really when people are down that the people that you thought were your friends, they, they stop being your friends or, you know, some of those kind of things can happen. But during that process, were there any obstacles that, you ran into whether it be on the public speaking, getting that started and getting it ramped up, or even with the athlete watch that you were going through and you started something and it just took longer than you thought, or has it all just been peaches and cream and, and a cakewalk? No, I tell you, you know, you all, you're always proving yourself, and uh, whether you're in business for yourself, um, that could be as an entrepreneur, or if you're a public speaker, I mean, you're, you're essentially in business for yourself, and I like that because there's not a cap. Right, you're not you're not capped at all, and you can dream big, but at the same time, there's big risks associated with it. And so, I think some of the things that that we did well early on is that we have always kept our revenues ahead of our expenses. Um, you know, some of those things in Wall Street about taking on debt, and you got to leverage yourself, and you know, there's good debt versus bad debt. We don't. We don't view it that way. You know, the Bible says that the the borrower is slave to the lender, and mm-hmm. we have been debt-free. And I think, Doug, really, that's been a big, big uh, proponent into why I've been able to start a business, um, why I've been able to speak at different businesses across the nation. Uh, it's because we keep our revenues ahead of our debt. And if that means that we, ca- we can't uh, grow as fast as I would like to, that's okay. And uh, I think that's just been a big success for us and a big, uh, really a a shift in our mindset that if we can't afford it, we either not going to do it or we're going to find a creative way uh, to do it differently. Sure, sure. No, I think that is fantastic advice for uh, for any business. You know, I see a lot of these people, they talk about how much money they're making or whatever, and it's all, you know, balance sheet type stuff. It's not real money in the bank. And I'm a lot like you. I like to see how much money have... Have we cashed what's in the bank, and then what can we spend, and then you just keep those in line, and it really makes it pretty simple to be honest with you, because uh, it's it's when you start over leveraging that you can really get yourself into a bind. So talk about mentoring. So have you over the years have you had folks that have mentored to you? Or are there anybody that that uh, that you're looking at right now, or CEOs, anybody you're following that that you like uh, to follow as a mentor? You know, I tell you, there's a coach that really sticks out to me during my college career. And I've been around some very talented coaches, uh, especially once I got to the NFL and with the United States Olympic Committee. But my track coach in college really stands out. You know, my scholarship was in football and my responsibility was with the football team. But I knew if I'm going to play in the NFL one day, I needed to get faster. And you know, with football, especially at the Division One level, they, you know, as a young young uh, freshman or sophomore in college, they're going to try to run you into the ground, right? They're building mental toughness, and yep. uh, they want to make sure you have it. And I remember my track coach coming along uh, because I'd have to do football practices in the morning, 
And then I'd go to the track and field uh, facility in the afternoon. And, you know, they crush us in football. And it's only about a six-hour turnaround until I have to return uh, to the facility for track practice. And I remember how understanding my track coach was, right? I, I remember him listening to the workouts and things I did in the morning. See, if he would have taken the mentality of, well, this is how we always do it here in track and field and run me into the ground, Doug, I would have got hurt. I would have been overtrained. It wouldn't have worked out. But to have a coach, to have a mentor listen, to have a mentor weigh different variables, that contributed to how I uh, solve problems, right? There's not a cookie cutter approach to everything. There's there's variables that you have to consider. And so I think uh, his the way he handled my situation um, during these, these, these pivotal uh, years of my life, right? I'm, I'm 19, 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, forming my thoughts, forming my opinions, understanding life, you know, away from mom and dad, uh, away from home, kind of on my own. To have that kind of leadership, uh, to have that understanding in my life, that was huge. And, and I draw to, but, you know, in this day, now that as a uh, public speaker, um, as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm an avid reader. Uh, I, I truly believe leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And so I'm always trying to uh, pick up knowledge. I, I mean, think about this. The day that we live in today, we have access to people's greatest knowledge for under $20 in a book, right? I mean, we have knowledge that we can go out and get. If y'all, if I do a lot of my reading on an Amazon Kindle that I can get for $9.99. And so if I'm leaving that on the table, this new knowledge that I can pick up, I'm, I'm missing out, Doug. I'm yeah. just missing out. And so I've been, I've been very intentional, at least over the last few years, of being an avid reader. Well, let me ask you this, just because um, we've got just a few minutes left. So let's do this real rapid fire as we wrap up. Tell me a little bit, what's your favorite book? The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. talks about the little decisions that you make every day will compound. And you're either going to reap a harvest or there's going to be scarcity at the other side. So here's the cool thing. You get to choose what you do. And so that's been a very uh, profound and, and impactful book. Cool. All right. So what do you do to recharge? I rest. I rest. It's been, uh, you know, in this culture, um, it's, it's culture says, go, 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 go. If you want to win and get to the top, you have to sacrifice everything, including rest. Well, that's not true. You know, God designed us to rest after six days. And so building, uh, and rest intentional rest into my schedule has actually helped me achieve more. Okay. Like that. Like it a lot. How about vacation? Are you a, a guy that likes to take vacations? You know, my wife and I, we work together and we travel quite a bit uh, on my speaker circuit. And so we always uh, like to either stay a day late or come in a day early and experience the cities. We just got back from Chicago uh, a couple weeks ago. I was speaking at LiftMaster, the garage door company, their marketing summit. And so we had a chance to uh, stay an extra day and explore downtown Chicago, which I must say is a beautiful city. Absolutely. This time of year. Now go back in about 60 days and you'll freeze to death, but, uh, but You're yeah, probably it's, right. it's yep, great yep. this time of year. Well, I tell you what, I am so appreciative of, of your time today and, and really just carving that out. Um, you know, we've got Johnny Quinn here, former NFL athlete, a U.S. Olympian, uh, founder and, and uh, entrepreneur on, on the Athlete Watch, which is for 
kids that are looking to get scholarships and go compete at the collegiate level. Fantastic interview, great information, good stuff to walk away from. And one thing that we always like to add on our show is, you know, from a credit standpoint, that's kind of my background. So we've gotten some folks that wanted some information as it relates to credit. So we're going to talk just very quickly today as it relates to if you've got an inaccuracy on your credit report, what do you do? And, you know, the biggest thing is monitor your credit. Make sure you know what's on there at all times. With identity theft, there are things that can pop on, and, and it may or may not be you at all. So you want to catch those things early. Uh, one of our uh, sponsors is all3reports.com. That's all the number three reports with an S.com. So you can go get a copy of your report, check it out, make sure you know what's on there. And if you see something that's inaccurate, address it. Uh, RepairMyCreditNow.com is, is a company that can do some of that stuff for you. You can do things on your own. But if it becomes overwhelming, look up repairmycreditnow.com. And that's kind of how we're going to close out today. You know, we do want to thank our sponsors at the Ambitious Radio Network. We could not do it without you. Want to thank, again, Johnny Quinn for being a guest today. We've also uh, would like to thank freeelectricitydfw.com, all3reports.com, and repairmycreditnow.com. Tune in on Wednesdays for Texas Money and Business right here, 10 to 11 a.m., 6.20 a.m. KEXB, Experts in Business and the Ambitious Radio Network, ambitiousradio.com. Next week, we're going to be visiting with Mike Oren with Speakeasy. Mike is a lifelong media junkie and digital early adopter. He founded Pegasus News and has served in a wide variety of leadership roles over the years. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. Go out there and be ambitious. Be ambitious.